welcome back to the UK and Ireland Jets podcast. Tonight I have the pleasure of being joined by Yusuf, Ross and Josh as we have a jam-packed show for you as we all put on our NFL scout hats and review the combine, analysing the players we fell in love with this weekend. Additionally, as free agency is approaching quickly, we'll take a quick look at the names being linked with the Jets before answering some of your fan questions. Before we start the show, though, I want to make, say a fast, massive thank you to everyone that listened to our first show. We were chuffed to see such a great response. I want to remind you all that this podcast is for the fans, by the fans. So if you'd like to be involved, have a question or some feedback for us, then please get in touch with us on Twitter, Instagram or by email. Anyway, let's get down to business. So, guys, I want you all to imagine that you're a scout at the Lucas Oil Stadium this weekend, watching what is essentially a glorified college sports day. Which offensive player was the biggest winner for you, Lot? Um, Kyle Murray. Yeah. As much as I don't really care what size height he came in at, I think if you care about height that much, you're not doing your job properly. Uh, we've seen in the past NFL scouts do care, and the fact he came in above five ten, I think, is massive. Yeah. What about the fact that he didn't throw? Do you think that makes Nah, the, he'll throw in his pro day. I, I, you can only lose throwing. It's you seen it a couple of years ago with Teddy Bridgewater who threw. It, he's, but it's pro day he threw it, and everybody thought he killed himself. I'm not a big fan of them throwing at the, at the combine. You're throwing with a bunch of receivers you've never worked with before. It's just it's more. It's not worth it for me. I don't mind them not throwing. I think yeah, he to come in with the measurables or not. That's all he needed to do. Yeah, I think I think throwing at the combine is the worst possible thing a quarterback can do. Unless you're extremely confident in your own ability and you know that you can come out with guys you've never thrown with before and land all of your throws because you're just not used to what's going on. And at your pro day, it's everything scripted. So all the routes that are being run, you'll have run them before the pro day with these receivers. You know uh-huh. everything that's going to be coming at you. You know what's going to be happening. Whereas at the combine, it's totally different. They're going to be making you do stuff that they want to see rather than stuff that you want to do. So you can make yourself look a lot better at your pro day than you can at, um, at the combine. However, saying that, I think that Kyler would have been able to succeed at the combine doing it. I just think I it was more of a, a I think reduced I, uh, threat. Sorry, I, I was going to say, I, I would have found it quite weird if um, he hadn't saved himself for his pro day. I think last few years, I, you know, looking, looking at... Um, Looking at the combine and the way that quarterbacks approach it nowadays, they, they want everything to be perfect. These guys that are going first day, maybe early second day, they want everything to be absolutely perfect so they can show show their skill set at the top level. I would find yeah. it weird if they just came in straight away at the combine and went, yeah, okay, I'll throw. Because there's so many intangibles that they can't control. You know, with their own uh, with their own pro day, they can they know what the weather's going to be like. They know who they're throwing to. They, they know the setup. They... Even down to the small things, I know where they're staying those couple of days. You know, everything's got to be exactly right because it is so hit or miss, you know, with the quarterbacks. If they have a blinding pro day, they know that they could boost their stock massively. Not just that. The other thing as well, like, I, I get people like, say, Jad Stidham thrown, who's had a bad season and needs to show that he can handle it. But if you're debating whether you're going to go sixth or seventh, I don't think throwing at the pro day does anything to that. I, I, at the combine, sorry, I, I I think it's more risk than it's worth. So I think for him, he came in knowing what height he was. He'd have did it already. 
but the fact that now Pitts is the box, he's over the 5'10", I think that's massive. The other one yeah, that I a think... lot of people obviously talk about is Metcalf, uh, Metcalf. Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, do we know anything new about him? We knew he could run fast. Well, we, know he's, we know he's faster than what we thought he was. We know that. We also know he's just as slow as we thought he was at the cone drill, like short. Yeah. yeah. His uh, route running wasn't actually that great. Everybody's raving about how no, he ran. But his route running is, is average at best. The thing with he him that app, on you go, Ross, on you go. He wasn't, he wasn't a very good receiver at Mississippi. And everyone, for, I don't know where this whole hype train's come from for him as this fantastic receiver who's game-changing. The comparisons to Julio Jones, I, I find laughable. He's nowhere near the, the player Jones was in college. Um, he has been injured for the past two seasons um, at some point during the season. So there are massive injury concerns there in my eyes towards him to say, can he really sustain it? Especially with a guy who the build that he's got, the way that he looks, to be injured that much is a bit of a red flag for me. And yeah, as you have said, his route running isn't very good. He's it's like, what, what very I spotty. Said is he can mm. run, he can run every type of route, he's just not crisp at it. No, he's that's the you problem. Can, is if you've the got, great if you've thing got... is you can improve that. That's the, the only thing he has on his side. You can't you can teach someone to get a little bit quicker. You can't you can you teach, teach only you. a little bit. You well, can train somebody into running better routes and see a bigger difference than training someone to be quicker, I believe. Well, I mean the things the things I've got, he did have a very high drop rate over his last two seasons as well at college. But you also um, look at the the issue with drops is it's what counts as a drop. Sometimes it's horrible throws that he's just touching and they throw that down as a drop on him. Yeah. Um, it's not as I think the problem is that the drop rate the drop rate that he had, which I can't actually get on right now, I don't know what it is, but it was it was relatively high for a guy who's being compared to Julio Jones. Oh, yeah. A future first for a future number one receiver. It's too high in my eyes for for me to be like I'm gonna take a punt in the top top half of the draft mm. on this guy. For me, it would have to be the late later stage of the first round or second round. So, um, I know he's gonna, someone's going to jump in. Someone's going to jump on that hype train. It will yeah. be the usuals. It will be like, oh, like Dallas uh, getting uh, uh, interested. Uh, will they pull the trigger? Will, 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 will that happen? It will be some... Somebody that, like that, or Miami or somebody, and go in for, for him, I reckon. On that note, for as much as everyone talks about Dallas with the hype train stuff, they've actually avoided it much most of the time. Recently, they've drafted a lot of non-glamour positions. I don't think it's Dallas that's going. Everyone thinks of Dallas as being this. No, no, what I'm saying is that you, you watch the draft on draft night, and they, if he hasn't gone by the time Dallas pick. Which could potentially happen. He could go in the final third of the first round, and he, he Dallas twenty two. They will, they, yeah, they'll build it up to. Will he be taken by Dallas? They always do it. They did I it before with with uh, Manziel, didn't they? From what I remember, yeah, they, were, they, they thought he was going Manziel, and then they took the guard. Yeah. Or they took Zach Martin. Yeah, yeah. It's, it, it's it's a way of pe- them keeping people watching whose teams have probably already picked, you know, they add the drama with it. Personally, I I still think a team is going to jump on the hype train for him. I think that there will be egotistical coaches out there that believe that they can improve his route running. Um, have you ever heard but, them? but he needs to be partnered with a quarterback who's got a decent arm because if they're just going to stick him just 
straight trying to beat the secondary, you can't stick. I'm, I hate to say it, you can't stick him with Donald because Donald is not going to hit him as well as somebody else who's got a better long distance arm. If you look yeah. at him, um, when you talk about some coach, you'll think that. The, the, the thing I've always heard is coaches say, show me a guy's three best plays because they believe they can coach that to be what he is all the time. Mm. Where a scout show, show me him at his best and show me his worst and show me him average. So it depends who's got the power in terms of making decisions. I I can't see us taking him. We're not ta- we've got no. too many holes to take no. a wide receiver anywhere near the top 10. Even if we trade down, we're still in the top 10. We've got far too many holes to take an injury-prone wide receiver on the top 10. We've got the money to, to, to fix that problem in free agency. And the problem is there's not a lot of top-level no, wide but receivers. But top even if they're like the next bracket down, they're still more proven than DK Metcalf is. Yeah, but I think the problem with Metcalf is that he has the potential to be a number one guy who could potentially be a future all-star, like all-star, yeah. Pro Bowl caliber receiver. <laughs> and none of the guys who are in free agency right now are that. So... I think it's more of a you take a punt. I mean, I don't want us to draft him. He will more. He's more likely an end of first round talent. We are drafting top five, so even uh, if we trade down, we're going to be trading down to the end of the draft. So I mean, what do you guys think about comparing him to when OBJ came out of the draft? We have the potential to pick no. him. No. Is there any comparison at all that you I, guys think I, that, I, that, I that think worries you that we won't pick him and then he will go on to be somewhere near that level? Yeah, but you need to remember, Odell Beckham Jr. was the third wide receiver in his own draft class. Yeah. And that draft class was stacked for receivers. Yeah. It wasn't like there was like one guy who yeah. would be picked in the first round and then there's like a bunch of other guys who can go after that. We were linked with round. OBJ in plenty of mock drafts that year. Yeah. And, you know, okay, we didn't go for him. He ended up, unfortunately, going to the Giants and being the player that he is now, which is, you know, fair play to him. The guy's unbelievable. But I, we're also we're also like rumored to be drafting Eric Ebron and players like this. And <laughs> yeah. the problem with it is that you don't know how how it's going to fall. And usually, when players start rapidly going off the board, teams who want to draft a player at that position will then start drafting a lot quicker than they would if they were anywhere else. If you get runs of players every year, like there's not a wide receiver, <laughs> and then there's four taken and seven picks because as soon as two go, everyone's like, we need one. It happens every yeah. year. Um, but to get back to the question, I guess we've turned it into a DK Metcalf analysis. <laughs> Is there anyone else as an offensive player? Someone thought that I'm gonna I, I'm I'm gonna go in with uh, the unfashionable tight ends and go with Noah Fant. I thought he had oh, a, definitely. A, a great combine, and uh, yeah, I, I mean, I, no one no one is really going to draft the tight end in the first round, really. I mean. I don't. I don't think. I don't you, think he will go first round. You say that, but I, I'm a big fan of tight ends, and I think that a tight end can essentially cover two roles, and they'll be able to block and they can receive. Yeah, I mean, there's very more few, of a receiver, but there's very TJ few Hawkinson t- as well. <laughs> very few tight ends nowadays that do both, though. Oh, of course. I mean, uh, yeah, high level, definitely. The change in college means that a lot of the tight ends are either receivers or the blockers, depending on what scheme they come out of. The likes of Gronk, who is elite at both, is not common. Um, I guess you can say they can do both, but really you you get one. A lot of teams end up having one of each and they switch them out nowadays, depending on whether they want them blocking or receiving. Yeah, I mean, Um, from, from... 
the combine, I mean, Fant stole the show. I mean, running uh, a 40 yard dash in 4.5 seconds at 250 pounds is, is phenomenal. But I still think TJ Hawkinson is the number one tight end coming out because he has the potential to be a player that can do both roles as the tight end. And I think that a, a team will jump on that in the first round. I think teams definitely look for the fact that they would rather, instead of, say, your tight end being excelling uh, uh, catching out of the backfield uh, and catching over the middle, but not being as good at blocking, I think they would take a hit on the offensive side if it meant they had consistency on both sides. I just think In regards to blocking and, and uh, obviously, uh, creating plays. Can I just say something else? I think it's nuts with two tight ends. Am I not mistaken? They're both at Iowa, or they were both at Iowa. Yeah, they are. Yeah. yeah. Like, what are they feeding tight ends in Iowa? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, uh, I mean, the focus for the Jets this year has to be on offense, but we all know that the Jets have a fixation on oh. drafting defense. So, which defensive player in the combine? stood out to you guys the most. Are we going to oh, annoy uh, Ross straight off the bat and just say Quentin Williams did really well? <laughs> no, <laughs> Josh. Hearts and above, the guy who's boosted his stock more than anyone in this draft is not Quentin Williams. <laughs> it, it's on sweat, 100% yeah. hands down, no question about it. You break the record for, for 40 yard dash from a, from a D lineman with, by that much and you're a top prospect and you're that height, you have that arm length, you have that hand size, Sorry. you have that you're just that's sorry that, my, my, my signal cut out who did you say Montez Sweat oh, yeah. oh, oh Jesus yeah. they ran it faster than most elite wide receivers yeah and he's got the body size of a basketball player oh. playing at defensive end I mean he's got everything you could wish for really yeah I mean is there, that... there is that there is that chance that somebody may even trade up for him Potentially, yeah, I think I think that the, the big thing with him is that he can play with his hand in the dirt or standing up. You can move him around with that speed as well. Like he's very good; he's quite manoeuvrable at being able to move side to side. His tackle in the open field isn't very good, but his manoeuvrability is you could easily teach open field tackling to him quite easily. And I, I mean, the thing is, if we trade back enough in the draft, if we go really far back, I think, I say really far back, if we go out of the top 10, I think he could be, like, just outside. He could potentially be a target, but the likelihood he'll go that far. I mean, I uh, didn't actually look. Just roughly, the top 10 to 15 range, if we trade back. I feel, I feel like, like, sort of not top 10 but like maybe 11 12 I think is where he could go the problem is is his combine numbers just aren't even though they're good they're just not good enough for uh to to merit a massive jump up to five I don't think um like or up to top five um I think I remember I I saw I I saw Walter football uh mock draft and I think they're obviously the most accurate mock drafts out of all of them I think they had him going seventh, and this is before the combine. But they had him going seventh, and they were basically like, "He's going seventh because it's a position of need for the team that's drafting, and we've put like four edge rushers before him, so he's the next guy down who'll be available." I, I just, I seen this is one of the players I've actually seen live this year. Um, his speed jump is not just on tape; it jumps off. It jumps off when you're in the crowd. 
like he looks different than everybody else on that defense. He, he, sometimes I think watching it live, you just see speed a lot easier than on tape, and he looks different. He's he's a monster. <laughs> but it's, what do we all think of Quinn and Williams? He's also been branded a, a monster after um, the combine. I, I want nothing to do with Quinn. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think, the thing I hate more than is when people use an interior, an interior lineman and go, oh, well, look at the 40 time he ran. Because realistically, it means nothing. Yeah. Like, the speed that an interior lineman can run means nothing. What you should really be looking at with an interior lineman is their bench and sort of maybe, maybe a shuttle drill. Yeah. But even then, like, you're not really wanting to look at much in the way of their actual just straight line sprint speed because what's it going to what benefit is it going to give you? I mean, fair enough with a guy like Aaron Donald, he'll go through and like then go out around the tackle and chase a quarterback down who's running. But how often do you get that happen with a defensive tackle? Look, my thing with the lads, right, and I've said, we, for people who didn't get Yusuf's comment earlier on, we've had a lot of discussion about Quinn and Williams. <laughs> yeah. And I've made it very, very clear I want nothing to do with them to the Jets. I just want to put it out there. I've got nothing against him as a player. I think he'll be a good player. But we've drafted, we've tried this route before. Get the apparent best player available into your lineman. We've had, and I think I think Leo Williams was a better prospect than Quentin Williams. For put, I'm putting that out there. Yeah. But we had at one point we had Williams, Richardson, Wilkerson. All three of them, you could argue, were top fifteen interior defensive linemen at the time. And we won nothing. We didn't even close to winning anything. If you're picking, if you're picking top five, I want positional value. Yeah, I want an edge rusher, right. someone that's getting to the quarterback. Unless you tell me he's going to be Aaron Donald, I just don't want an interior lineman. Just... I would, I would agree with that about we won nothing. However, <laughs> the one thing I would say is we had the number one ranked run defense two years in a row. When we had those guys at defensive line, yeah, and, and, and if we had an edge rusher, if we had one of those years, was like unbelievable. If we had an edge rusher, but it's fine. A lot of the time we were great against the the, um, the run because people were just throwing it all over us. <laughs> they were using they were using short screens in the passing game and to mitigate the run game because we couldn't get to the quarterback. He had all day to throw. What was everybody thinking on Rashawn Gary? I'm not a fan. No, he's yeah, physical, but yeah, I don't, I don't. I mean, he seems an awful lot like a, um, oh, what was his name? The guy out of Oregon who the Dolphins drafted a couple of years ago. The Dolphins drafted. Um, yeah. Well, he seems an awful lot to me like him, uh, and he was garbage. I'm now trying to remember what <laughs> his name was. Um, I think this is evidence that we're definitely all Jets fans and not Dolphins fans. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, I get it. Just uh, whatever it was, I just think that it's all fine. Well, when you're that much of a monster, how can you not be jumping off the screen of college? I just, it, there's something not right there. Yeah. Well, on the topic of D linemen, this question came up in the Jets WhatsApp group uh, earlier today, actually, and it was. So I want you all to imagine now that you're Mike McCagnon, probably with a coffee in your hand, and Bosa's sat there at number three, 
and the phone rings and it's the Giants offering the same deal that we gave up for Darnold last year. They'll be giving us the sixth uh, overall pick and three second rounders to move back to what? Well, back, move back to number six. Would you accept or would you take Bosa? You know, if he goes to the Giants, he's going to be a Hall of Famer just because. <laughs> no, but who's who's went one and two at this point? Well, if Bosa's there, I think we can assume that Kyler Murray's probably yeah, going Murray's one. gone, and then he's going to be like um, J- Josh Williams Allen. or Allen. Yeah, I I go down. I think there's going to be a good player left at six. Um, but do you have faith in McAgnon that with those <laughs> three second round picks, he'd be able to? Make anything of them, or would you rather take the short? Well, depends. What, what second round picks do the Giants have? Is it they have two this year, or do they have no? They have well, one this year. So. I think we're assuming they have two this year, just for the sake of the question. Yeah. Um. I don't have faith they take both side like, three, so I don't really care what I'm facing the cabinet. <laughs> yeah, I I have I, zero faith that we would get the value players with those three second round picks. I would, I would, personally, I would stick with Bosa because I don't trust McCagnum. Yeah, I think that's, a, I think that's a thought felt by me. That's the only reason. There is no other reason. I'm, I know McCagnum's on his last chance, but I just don't trust him. And so I would just go with Nick Bosa because you know, as long as he keeps his powder dry, stays out of trouble, he's going to be one of the better players on our team for years. Yeah. I think the problem I have with Bosa is I think a lot of people are seeing who his older brother is and they're going, well, that means he's set on being a star. You have to remember, Bosa had had his problems at Ohio State as well. There was flashes of him being like awful in games. So you you can't have, I don't think you can sit on Bosa and be like, he's a sure thing either. Oh, nobody, um, nobody I, is a sure thing. Nobody uh, at all, but I would take the lesser evil in, thing in is, putting my chips in on Nick Bosa. The thing is, I'm high on a lot of players that are in um, that are in the second round. <laughs> Chris Lindstrom, for example, uh, the guard out of Boston, I'm extremely high on, and I talked to him last week, uh, well, yeah, last week on the podcast about how much I'm, I'm a fan of him as a guard. Problem is, his his combine was pretty good. You're on a four nine one forty, so he is he's he's quite athletic um, as a guard, and he's he's seen as the best interior lineman in the draft um, in regards to offensive line. The problem with is is with him is how high does he go? If he goes in the end of the first round, then obviously tra- us trading back would be a mistake, but. If he's still a second-round talent, we could easily grab him with the 37th pick, which is what the, the Giants would probably offer him if it was them that traded up. Um, I think um, that those second-round picks would be massive for us. You can get talent in the second round easily. No. Um, I think that McCagney has been drafting um, project players more than he's been drafting guys who are almost on the next bit. Yeah, and I think on that point, I think a lot of people have been talking about how the wide receiver market in free agency is very slim. But also, most of the top receivers will be gone by the second round. So, oh, definitely, the Jets won't have the Jets won't have a lot of chance to make a statement and give Darnold the weapons that he needs. So, 
I mean, you, 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 you're, you're, you're ideally, you're going to be left in the second round if we manage to get the second round picks through trading back. I mean, you're going to be left with like what, like Marquise Brown, the Oklahoma, a white side from Stanford. Uh, I'm just having a quick look through the list now. Uh, Paris Campbell, maybe from Ohio State. Um, Debo Samuel from South Carolina, potentially. I mean, it's it. Whereas it's not stacked in free agency, there aren't too many wide receivers screaming their name coming off the paper and coming out of combine for people to get. It's not a deep class. So it may be a case where you may do a men for a year. I think the problem is we're also looking at this like we need a wide receiver right now and it's the be-all and end-all of everything is we need. Oh, God, no. Oh, God, no. But but, but we've said this. Once we help Darnold in regards to keeping him upright, we then need to provide him with some legitimate targets. I mean, I feel like I feel like um, Chris Herndon's going to develop into a very good tight end. Oh, 100%. Um, we've still got Robbie Anderson. Um, we've still got Q. I think these guys are still good players. Uh, the problem is we've just not got that elite talent at wide receiver. And I think the problem with that is that we don't really need that. We don't really need an elite talent at wide receiver if we get um, a running game in place, if we get Darnold able to stay upright, all he needs is receivers who are competent enough to be able to move about and get open and run routes well um, and have a good guy who, who can scheme offensively, which Gates can, can I, do. Can I just ask a question quickly? Does anybody actually think Robbie Anderson and Anunua are actually going to improve higher than they're at now? I don't think Anunua, I don't think Anunua necessarily needs to improve that much. I think he's going to be a second receiver. Um, I think he's a quite a good, capable second receiver. But the problem, obviously, being injury. When he played with um, Marshall and Decker the, that first season where he broke out, he played fantastically through yeah, a bunch of games. Amazing. Yeah, that's great. And the problems since then to be injuries. It's not anything oh, to do with yeah, his actual but... ability. Ability is good. Uh, I think Anderson. I think yeah. I think with Anderson, I think he will improve. I think the problem is he's just not had that offensive coach. The problem is they don't haven't had an offensive coach to be able to tell them, like, this is the problems you're making, this is what you need to do. Um, Jeremy Bates is awful, and I think we can all agree with the fact mm-hmm. that he was atrocious offensive yeah. There's no way he's going to be able to help any of the players that are on that team um, to develop on the offensive side of the ball. The quarterback, yeah, but, I mean, realistically, no, no one else. So I think getting a, a guy in like Adam Case who has shown that he has been able to make guys who are not very good receivers look very good um, when he was in Miami and before that when he was in um, Denver, I think is only a good thing for us. I think it'll make these guys better. Just as a quick uh, one on uh, on Gase, anybody see him on the podium on day one of the combine? He looked normal. He genuinely looked normal. It's a bit of a surprise. He, I mean, the hat it? was as low down as he could possibly get it. But I think that helps him. I genuinely think he's more relatable now that he doesn't look like... like He looked like one of those aliens out of Men in Black 1 who are trying to be human, but aren't human. <laughs> They're just kind of like imitating. Whereas at the Combine, he looked like a normal person. And that gave me more faith. Is that a bad thing? Well, to tell you the truth, I, I couldn't care whether he looked like an alien or he looked like a human. If he can win us games. That says I, a lot I about how bad last season was. Season before. That says so <laughs> yeah. much. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Well, moving on to the next section. and Free agency is starting at 9pm in the UK on Monday. 
So who do you think should be the number one priority for the Jets? I think I know I think I know what name's gonna come up here, but uh Trey Flowers anyway. Oh really? Yeah, okay. I'm going with a curveball. I think we need an edge rusher now more than anything, and I think Trey Flowers is the guy who's there, he's not gonna get franchise tagged by um New England, they're not gonna re sign him, so he'll be open for the market, I think. Obviously I think we should go out and and get the other guy um whoever wants. But um <laughs> Obviously, there's been conflicting reports this week about whether we're going to actually do that or not. One saying that we're the front runner to land him and no one else is going to come close, and other ones are saying that we're not interested at all and we'll wait and see how the rest of the, the teams play him, which is a very risky move with a guy like like Le'Veon Bell um, to, to wait and see what other teams offer him because a team could effectively get him into their building and go, you're not leaving without signing a contract, and then he'll sign. Yeah. Are, we, um, are we talking about this hypothetically without the uh, franchise tags or are we taking it to it? Oh, uh, the, report, the reports are is that um, that Flowers isn't going to get re-signed. No, no, I know so, with Flowers. I'm just saying because obviously I've got somebody who I think would be amazing for us but is most probably going to get franchise tagged and, uh, and somebody who isn't. So. Go for it. Well, I think, it? I, I think D Ford would, uh, would help us out massively but I, yeah. I still think the Chiefs are just going to slap the tag on him personally. Yeah, I think they'd be they'd be stupid not to, especially considering pass rush doesn't come no. about often, and it's quite surprising that a few oh. might be hitting free agency this year. So it could fall perfectly for the Jets having all that cap space. But I'm sure they'll find a way to yeah, get yeah, it up it's anyway. the Jets. That's why we're here. That's why we do this podcast. If everything was perfect, we'd be Patriots fans. So. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, so uh, now going on to Olivia's question. Uh, which was what is your biggest hot take for the draft or free agency uh, it can be Jets or non-Jets related Who, what do you think is going to be the biggest can I go first on this I just want to oh, say go for it I want to see the proverbial hit the fan when Kyler Murray gets drafted number one and then you <laughs> and then we watch where what they do with the Josh Meister and uh, where he ends up. I think that's going to be a really interesting story. I'm going to put out a massive, massive idea here. I think he's going to be the heir to the throne uh, to... Uh, Don't see him. Don't deal see to him. him. I think he will. I think, I think they'll think they can fix, oh, no. fix his, uh, his issues. They can keep him upright and they will make him uh, the second coming of, uh, yeah, of him. I'm not saying his name. <laughs> um, I, I see. I see it being. I see. I see the Giants trade. If they do that, I see the Giants trading for Rosen, and then I think that will eliminate our our picks sort of value for a lot of teams. Can I ask so a lot of teams will be like, we can get another quarterback after this because the Giants are now out of the game because they've traded for Rosen. Or we could see we could see Mister I love trading for quarterbacks, John Elway going and trading for <laughs> just. More quarterbacks <laughs> on the payroll for them. On that oh, note, can I say one thing? We'll ask one question on this. Um, do you see them trading Josh Rosen before the draft bill? Personally, I I believe that this is all a load of rubbish, and I think they're just trying to create some yeah. hype. Um, you... Josh Rosen was everyone, a lot of people's number one quarterback last year, based on how he could throw the ball. Why would they just jump ship straight? The problem for me is that you don't mess with your quarterback's head 
by allowing reports to leak to play smoke and mirrors with the quarterbacks where you're going to be drafting. Rosen's going to be sitting there right now going, am I going to be a Cardinal in two months or am I going to be with another team? Because what's going to end up happening is he's going to start like questioning himself, he's going to start doubting himself, being like, well, this, this organization doesn't like me. Who says another organization will like me? I played awful in my first season and now they're getting rid of me. I'm, um, I'm just going to say Cliff Kingsbury, first combine as an NFL coach and he gets up to that podium on day one, gets asked the obvious questions and he stands there and goes, He's our quarterback right now. Are you, telling, are, you, are you telling me that they're not already considering It wasn't taking, Kevin that said that. It well, was, it was uh, like, the Cardinals I, weren't preventing him from coming out, were they? And it's just, well, you've had him a year. You couldn't keep him upright at all. You, you've got the first pick for a reason. Why don't you give him a chance? I know your coach, like they said in the past, he likes Kyler Murray. That's fine. But... What's Kyler Murray going to think if you're one and done with your previous quarterback? He's going to be like, crap, I need to take him to the playoffs or, or they can go to the next person next year. So there's a couple of points on this. I, I was I was a Josh Rosen fan. I wanted him before Darnold. I, I was at Josh Rosen QB1. Um, but Cliff Kingsbury has been trying to coach Kyler Murray since, he was, since Kyler Murray was in junior high. That's when Kingsbury started recruiting Kyle. <laughs> like he is, he, Kingsbury had Johnny Manziel. Um, I'm sure of, but Kingsbury, that's what Kingsbury thought of Kyle Murray. He thought he was going to be a better version of that. Kingsbury loves this guy. Yeah. Um, what I do it? If I'm Kingsbury, I might. He fits his scheme a lot better. He fits his style a lot better. And if well, two issues on the, the, the Patriots question. If he goes to Patriots, I will cry. Um, <laughs> and the worrying thing is they've got 12 draft picks. They can certainly manage it. Yeah. Um, but the, the issue is they don't have anything near the top. Will the Cardinals want to go that far back? Who knows? Well, they won't be going back, I guess, because they'll still have... The, they want, but will they want to? I can't imagine they'll want their second pick to be that far back when they can trade them to someone else. So choosing yeah. between who gets, oh, so mm-hmm. between who gets to do as well for me is that obviously there's only one man who runs that ship in New England, and it seems to be a very uh, chaotic, fragmented ship right now, um, with them all hating each other. Obviously, the reports that came out last season and the season before that when Garoppolo was traded, that was nothing to do with Bill Belichick and Belichick actually said he hated the decision uh, in-house um, that he was then traded and um, and that was all against his will and it was entirely Robert Kraft and um, Brady being threatened by Garoppolo saying, trade him. Obviously, this is all reports from inside the Patriots organization. He's never actually come out and said this, but... I don't. I can't see Bill being like, "Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna sell the farm for um, Josh Rosen because that's what I think they'd have to do to get him." To then be like, "Oh, yeah, we had a guy who is would one hundred percent would have kept us winning after Brady went, but you've traded him against my will." Um, I don't see the Patriots going after him. I do see the Giants going after him because uh, I don't think the Giants have run particularly well, and I think that they need a quarterback. 
and I think he's probably the guy they're going to go for. I can't see. I mean, I can see them drafting Haskins, but we know what Rosen is. We know he's capable. Um, I mean, I, I still think he's the third best quarterback in the draft. I think Baker's number one and Darnold's number two, and then I think he's third. Is everybody pretty much down with yeah. the fact that they think Foles is just going to end up at the Jags? Uh, Fox, that's what it seems like. Fox reported earlier on it's as good as done. Okay, so that's one part of the puzzle kind of sorted. I don't know how they've got the cap space to get him. They've already, they're, they're basically, they've got like 500,000 that he's going to demand a pay at them. I don't know. They must be ready to release a lot of players. Yeah, they're, they're, I mean, they're, they're, they're going to they're gonna clear the boards, aren't they? they know most they of the contracts, even if they let them go, it's a lot of dead money. I think they'll take the dead money knowing they've got a above-average quarterback as opposed to a below-average quarterback. I've projected $19 million in cap space um, for the upcoming season. Because uh, they're they're expected to release a couple guys who have high cap hits. Right now they have two point four million cap uh, space. So they could back I don't know his How much money is he going to want? A lot. Uh, at he's least won a Super Bowl. At least twenty. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we're moving back onto the Jets at Rocket Ron sixty five on Twitter has asked which offensive player in this year's draft. Would you take for the Jets and why? Jonah Williams. Yeah, that's that's the common name. We've had, I think we've had um, some miscommunication in the in the, the group chat about this, uh, where I said Williams and everyone's been like, I don't want, I don't want Quinn Williams. <laughs> I'm not high on Quinn Williams. I don't like him, but I do like Jonah Williams a lot. I think that he is a fantastic player. Uh, I hate this whole. His arms are too short rubbish it's just rubbish it doesn't make sense i don't like it since uh, he said in the, in the in his combine interview which i thought was perfect he named about i think six or seven other offensive tackles who'd been drafted or and one who went undrafted because of obvious problems in louisiana um before the draft <laughs> one of them being joe thomas and no one's made, no one's yeah. been like oh thomas had had short arms I oh, can't play left tackle because he has short arms. Like Thomas played position better than anyone in the past ten years, and no one bad an eyelid at his, his arm length. They, they were like his footwork's fantastic, his strength amazing, his understanding of the positions amazing as well. I think that, and a lot of people have, and uh, Josh, one of them have said about his championship game. Uh, I don't like judging a guy off one game. He had a bad game. I mean, it wasn't even a bad game. It was just not very great. Um, it's, you can have a bad game. Championship game, you can have a bad game. He yeah. had a fantastic game before that. So, I yeah, think... I've caught with him. Yeah. And again, another guy I've seen live. Um, the SEC is... I don't know how much people know about college football, but the SEC is the premier college conference effectively it's where the majority of the top players come from um, but yeah. there's not a lot of quarterbacks coming out of the SEC um, you're looking at what the Mariners <coughs> um, who was the last quarterback from Alabama to win the, the Super Bowl 
<laughs> the only one I can remember is Joe Namath, which is obviously a long time ago. Yeah, yeah. I'm talking about yeah. the LSU are an arse and consistently a power. Their best quarterback recently has been what? Sat Mettenberger? Yeah. Apart from, I think the only one I can really remember having a serious NFL career recently is Cam Newton. I don't know if I'm missing any. But the, yeah. the, the, either way, right, and he was running at Auburn. The, the SEC is built as a run first conference. And I don't know how much their defences are set up to get after the quarterback as much as they're set up to go up the middle. And the first time he played a defensive line who was set up to go after the quarterback, he struggled. That's quite worrying. That, you watch him during SEC play and he dominated because most of them are after the run and they're not after the quarterback. And it could just be he had a bad game. But the first time he was against an elite edge, as in an edge... And Clayton Farrell, he got he really, really struggled. Which is where I'm worrying. And it, if there's anyone else thought about we, just wanting, this is a put it out there one, draft Hunter Renfrew so the Patriots don't get him. Mm. <laughs> I, if I had to pick somebody, uh, an offensive player um, from the draft, uh, somebody whose name we haven't mentioned today, uh, AJ Brown. I think yeah. I think he could be a legitimate weapon uh, for us, in, especially this season. I think I think it would be a fresh face uh, out wide that would uh, that would would cause some matchup headaches for a lot of teams. What do you guys think? Where do you think he gets drafted, though? I don't. I don't think. I don't think he's going early, um, just because I think other teams have have bigger needs. Um, I think if this was a couple of years ago, um, this this may be a different story. But I don't know. I'm thinking maybe maybe tail end of round one, start of round two. What do you guys think? I think about there, which means we're going to need to trade back to get extra picks. Um, yeah. I get that's the issue with this. I I don't think there's any offensive players in this draft worth the third pick. Um, no, oh god, no, definitely not for that. Trade back to then get. Players. I don't. Think... You're, you're also saying it's hard to say who do we want because even if we trade back, you don't know exactly what you're getting if you trade back. <laughs> um, people are high on. There's another the Alabama running back Josh Jacobs. People are high on. But again, I yeah. don't know how much of you watch was... college football. He was barely the number one back at Alabama. And he wasn't at the combine either, was he? So it's... Yeah. I mean, so we've got one more question to finish off the show. And uh, official Richie P on Instagram has asked us, should the Jets focus more on the draft or free agency this season? Or oh, draft. Yeah. Yeah. Draft. I think that's, that's the way the best teams go about it, isn't it, really? Yeah, but, but either way, you still need to spend that 100 million. Yeah, we have, we have obviously we have the, the cap space to go out and spend in free agency. But if you focus your entire building process on free agency, you're you're going to become the 2010 Eagles, where you were awful and you More spent free agency. Thousand and fifteen Jets. Was it 2015 we signed everybody had one good year and then tried to get back. I think problem, yeah. the, the problem with that year is that I knew when we signed those players that it was like well what do you expect us to do with this? Like we've signed what, one one receiver 
Uh, was that the Percy yeah. Harvey year? No, that was um, Marshall. Yeah, that was uh, yeah, Marshall. <laughs> Marshall. And it worked for the year, but then they tried to bring it all back. It just fell apart. Yeah. There's I think if you're signing free agents, you need to, you still need to do it right. The, the difference is we've yeah. got the quarterback now. Hopefully, I mean one year's not enough to tell, but we've got the quarterback now. Um, yeah signing should be to plug up holes you know you can't fill in the draft unless there are marquee guys in there like Flowers and Bell these are guys who shouldn't hit the market but have because of circumstances out with their team's control like cap space size or the fact that they want a larger contract than they're willing to pay them Lawrence yeah Demarcus Lawrence as well these guys are guys who shouldn't be hitting the market but will hit the market um, I'm still not sold on whether Lawrence will hit the market or not. I think they re-sign him to a new contract. But, I think they've got to. Uh, I don't know where they're getting the money from. Yeah, well, I mean, the thing is, they'll, they'll, they'll figure it out. Um, well, the, the thing is, they, they, it depends whether they're banking and paying Dak next year. They need to proper front-load the contract and they've not got the money to front-load the contract. I think at the same time, though, I think they're hoping that the cap space and, the cap becomes larger to a point where they they don't expect to be that large um, and then they can pay pay more money. I think they expect to be able to cut some guys next year as well and just let guys go. But um, I think that... When have they got to sign this, to hand out the franchise tag to? Is it tomorrow, 4pm New York time? Um, yes, so that's 10pm right. UK time tomorrow or 9pm? 9pm. Nine well, franchise tag, that's for sure because you said he's not going to sign it. So... They're not going to franchise tag him, and the Patriots have said they're not going to franchise tag. Um, what's his name? Flowers. Um, and obviously, Le'Veon Bell is not going to get franchise tagged. So all three of those guys will have the have a massive potential of hitting the market. Patriots what? aren't going to pay Flowers, so Flowers is one hundred percent going to hit the market. Uh, Le'Veon Bell is one hundred percent going to hit the market. Lawrence might hit the market. Um, all for you, two of the three. Who'd you take? Uh, flowers and Bell. Flowers and Bell. Yeah, that has to be. Am I the only one that's Lawrence and Bell? No, I flowers. The, the thing is, I I am religious after after watching how Pro Football Focus got everything right every year for the past couple of drafts. They got nothing wrong. I don't. And and so for free agency as well. I don't believe anything anyone else tells me about about how players are going to do unless my own eyes. I will believe what their grades say because their grades are bang on all the time. They're never wrong. And they gave, they gave Flowers a 96.6 grade the past season. Guys with a 96 grade don't, make, don't hit the free agent market very often. He's had an 80 grade or higher for the past three seasons. You don't get guys like that coming out into into free agent market very often. My only what, is how often do peak players leave New England and their peak? Yeah, they. I, I watched. I watched them do part of the podcast about free agents coming up, and they talked about that as well. And they said the problem with that is that a lot of the guys who have come out of New England, who have done well, Vollmer, for example, who went to um, the Giants, they hadn't had him graded very highly, and he left, and the grade stayed roughly the same. Um, <laughs> he survived in that scheme. A lot of their, a lot of their sort of grading comes from the way the player plays rather than the, the scheme that they're in. It's just how he plays on his own one-on-one matchup, stuff like that. 